Today we are continuing to do storying and thinking how we communicate through telling stories. We did look at our worldview, at ourselves and the Muslim worldview. We began to consider how people are learning orally and through books or a combination of both. Now we're just going to consider for a few minutes understanding specific needs that we will be able to personalize our message and be fitted to the particular situation of the person we're talking to. A person may have a perception of himself as very religious or not religious at all. Uh, I have many friends who would say they're just postmodernists, but when pushed and talked to a bit, oh yes, I'm a Muslim, but uh, I'm Tunisian, so I'm a Muslim. But their practice of religious practices might be completely missing. Um, so for an example, I'm just thinking of one of my friends who comes in that category. She doesn't really believe in anything particular. She said, oh, I believe there's a God, but she's not very conscious of God being a part of her world or her daily life in any way. She's a musician and she just loves poetry and music, all sorts of music and writing music. So when I was thinking about her, how could I help her have a more awareness of the presence of God, that God is there and that God is active and that he wishes to have a relationship with her? She said she wasn't conscious of him, but I, was, I wanted her to become aware that God is conscious of her, even if she isn't. So thinking about that and thinking about, she said also that, well, she didn't think that God has really spoken to her or that God speaks to people. And she said, well, the Quran, I can't understand it anyway. And I don't read Arabic very well. And that's a very different Arabic. And I've always thought, everyone said the Bible's corrupt. So where does God speak? Has he spoken? Where is it? And so I was trying to think her musical gifts, her love of poetry, a presence that, that she could realize God was relational and there. And so as I was thinking about it, I thought about King David and all his poetry. He wrote many songs and many poems uh, that are about his relationship with God, speaking to God and God speaking to him. And... Also, because she made a few remarks about um, that English wasn't very beautiful uh, and the Quran was very beautiful, and I thought, well, I'm going to pick something that has a very clear picture and a lovely, beautiful ring to it as it gives its message. So I decided to share Psalm 23 with her. And since she reads, we did read it together. But I also remembered there's lots of music. So don't forget the gospel can also be shared through music. And there are a number of songs that sing the 23rd Psalm. It's been put to music over the years a number of times. And I had one that I liked very much that was the Psalm 23 in music. So I played it for her and she really enjoyed the music. Said, oh, I'd love to learn that song. That is really so catchy and so good. And then we began to look at the lines. The Lord is my shepherd. 
I said, what, do you know anything about shepherds? We're living in the city. We don't see them very often. But there are shepherds around Tunisia. And she began to tell me about, yes, I've seen shepherds. I used, she lived in the countryside as a child. And we were talking about shepherds and what is a shepherd. And I said, well, what is the shepherd's role? What does a shepherd do? And then we began to talk about the sheep. The sheep. The sheep, what do they need? And we, sheep needed physical things, food and water, care, looking after if they had problems with their feet or lots of thistles in all their fur, different things that could happen. And what does the shepherd provide? And are there other needs? And she said sometimes there are dangers. It, reading the thing, it seems as if even death could happen. And there are things that will harm them. And then we began to look again. What, what has a shepherd done? And we were talking about how he guides and what he's done. He takes care of them. And the last verses were a bit funny to her, she said. It looks as if he provides a home for them. And it looks as if sheep are going to live forever. And I said, well, maybe we need to ask a question. Who do you think David is speaking about? Who would be the shepherd? And who would be the sheep? And it wasn't long before we were finding out lots more things. And she said, I really can see David is singing about God, perhaps, caring for us. But she said, I didn't ever been aware that God cared for me or that he was aware of that I'm here living in Tunis. And so we went on. So, so that you see, we can talk about many things and fit the thing to the person's needs. But whether it be a psalm or just be actually a story, we can use these illustrations and pictures to begin to share about God and what God does. And also it shows us about ourselves. I think in picking stories, I want to encourage you to prepare with the person in mind you're sharing it with. But I think it's quite good when you're learning to share to write out your story. I know for some of us that seems like a chore. But in the beginning, I wrote out lots of things. And then as you are able to do it better, you won't need to write out so much. You can make little points or outlines or something else. But in the beginning, I found it very helpful, partly because there's a second problem sometimes for some of us. That is, if you write it out and then you read it out loud, perhaps read it out loud to another friend, you might realize that the vocabulary that you put in your story might not be understood by the person you're speaking to. It's very easy for us as Christians to use sometimes what you might call church language, churchy words, things that people would not understand if they never went to church. Or like people who are from a Muslim background, they wouldn't understand our vocabulary if we use vocabulary that belongs primarily to Christians that no one else would know. And so it helps us to kind of be able to think about the way we express things more clearly in a way that they would understand. Because I want to be sure that we think about using stories. Uh, we can use many kinds of stories alongside our scripture stories. But I want to encourage you to think about using the scripture as your primary source.
And as we've been saying in some of the other times, the Old Testament is a book that is quite easily understood by many of our Muslim friends more easily than some of us from the West because their culture and the landscape of their lands often is very similar to the lands where Jesus lived and walked and the people of the Old Testament. In fact, many of the stories of the Old Testament that happen in Iraq and in Egypt, that's where many of my friends are from. And they're very excited often to, to talk about people who are from the countries where they are from. But also, to, I found that Luke's gospel is a very good one to use because Luke has lots of parables. The stories that are Luke included in Luke, like the story of the lost son and the lost sheep and the stories of the women that Jesus met. But John's gospel is very good for talking to friends who are Sufi, who love the imagery and the mystic pictures of seeing Jesus as a light and what would the light be valuable for, or living water, or living bread, or the door. These stories open many things that our friends who are Sufis would appreciate and love to talk about. And then, of course, you can choose stories for your list of stories of women Jesus met. And there are quite a number of them. It's very interesting how many women Jesus met. And also at that time, it was quite a shock sometimes to his disciples as well. But in addition to using the scripture, I'd like to challenge you, and I often challenge myself, how often we fail to give people scripture. Even if they don't read well, I found you never know where the gospels or the Bible and the New Testaments that you give out will go. Because as we were talking earlier, this is a culture and a society that is a community and a family, and things are often passed on and and used by other people. So it's good to give them something. Sometimes with some of the younger people, uh, we often found it's very good to give a very small gospel or a small in a small shape, because sometimes the person has to hide it. And if it fits in your pocket, we found with lots of the school children, if it's something that fits inside a book or inside their school bag, no one knows they have it, and they're able to treasure it and read it without being found out so that they can have knowledge of the scripture. And so the size sometimes has become important. But also I have the experience, too, where the book... The scriptures was given to one person in a family, and when I came to visit the family a long time later, I found it in the hands of another member who it was passed on to, and they are the person who became the Christian. So we don't always know what God is going to do with his word. So it's good not only to tell it, but to be sure to give it out as well. The other thing that is very important, and I discovered do you pray with people who are not Christian? I know we realize prayer is very important, and we would think, yes, we should pray for our Muslim friends to believe in Christ, pray for them. But what about praying with them before they're believers? Is that possible? <laughs> Someone told me that wasn't possible, but I think, have a think about it. Um, having grown up in a Christian home, I was praying and people praying with me before I actually was a Christian also. I didn't understand, but I began to be 
brought to God and encouraged to come to God through prayer, even though I didn't comprehend or realize what exactly I was doing. Um, I had experiences where praying with people was very helpful. Um, If you read the story of I Dare to Call Him Father, one of the things that brought the woman to Christ was that she began to talk to God long before she knew him. She was trying to find him, and she was praying in some fashion for quite a while, but she didn't get any answers to her prayers, and she didn't understand what was happening. And she suggested to one of the nurses at the hospital where she went to visit, and they said, why don't you pray, call him father? Try saying father, and see if you don't find a way to hear God and answer you. And it was through that little suggestion someone gave her about praying when she knew very little about Jesus. And she began to cry unto Father, hear me, help me. And it wasn't too long after that that she became a Christian. But I have another friend who through prayer came to Christ. It was one of the women friends who had several children and busy life. And she was always got something to do. Life is like that. And then one morning she was sending the children off to school and she thought, yes, I've never prayed. I'd forget to pray five times a day. In fact, I don't even pray once because I don't have time to wash and change and do all those things because I should go to the market. I should cook the food. And before long, you know, the children have come home for lunch and this and that. How can I talk to you, God? She said, oh, I'd like to, but I don't have time to do all that. And then she said, oh, well, I'm going to talk to you like this. And if this is wrong, well, you tell me, God. And so she sat down and started talking to God. Dear God, my children, they need help at school. My husband needs a better job. And she talked to him. And then the next day she said, oh, yes, I talked to God yesterday. I'll talk to you again today. But God, I'm not going to wash and do all those things just like I am. And she talked to him. And this went on for a few days. And then one day she was thinking as the children were there, oh, hurry up, go to school. I need to have my time to talk to God. I've begun to do praying, but it's maybe wrong, but I'm enjoying it. And I really, it seems to just be so helpful. And I think maybe God is even listening without me washing. And so she sat down and talked again. Then she said, ah, the lady that lives in the apartment above me, She's Jewish, and she's French, and she must know whether this is crazy. I'll go up and ask her. Maybe I'm just getting a bit crazy, and I should see about this. So she went upstairs and knocked on the door of Jenny's house, and she told Jenny what she was doing. And she said, Jenny, am I crazy, or can you talk to God? And Jenny said, oh, yes, I talk to God all the time. That's fine. Let's talk to God. And she said, you can do it together with somebody else. Yes, said Jenny. Sit down and we'll both talk to God. And shortly after that, Jenny called me and told me about what her neighbor was doing and said, you must bring another Tunisian Christian to meet her. She's already talking to God and well on the way to following him. So we came to visit her and it was true. As soon as we got in the door and she told the other girl, Oh, isn't it great? You've come to pray too. Isn't it good you did come to God? And she said, 
he accepts us. And it was, and then as we told her more things, she was so ready. But prayer was one of the keys. The idea of talking to God, even though she didn't know that other people did it, it was the door that began to open the gospel. I know lots of times people want to know, what is the secret? How do you re- bring people to Christ? Sometimes I think people are asking a question as if there's some perfect rule or some special formula that works. Actually, there are many ways that people come to Christ. But I think underlining it all, underlining using the scripture, is our relationship to them that we really love them. I know it might seem oversimplistic that we'd say, of course, if I'm going to share my life with Muslims, I love them. But I discovered that sometimes, though I might say I love them, I have to express my love in a way that they understand, that they understand they're loved. We might love them, but they need to also be sure or receive the way we treat them as love, as expressions that we really care for them. And some of that comes across in the way we speak to them, in the greetings. One of the things that is sometimes quite annoying to people when they meet people from the, uh, the culture of the Middle East and North Africa is all the greetings. It can take 10 or 15 minutes to greet one another, embracing one another, kissing one another, and finding out about the mother and the children and everything before you can actually speak about whatever you want to speak about. And I found that even in teaching. When you would teach classes on Monday morning at the university, you couldn't just open the class and start to teach. No, my students had to find out what happened on the weekend. Everyone in the class had to be greeted and talk and say things. We had to be sure everyone was all right and their families all right. And then we would be able to start the class, which was quite annoying to some teachers. But this was part of the culture, to being accepted and accepting each other. And sometimes it's this element of time. Uh, I have some African friends who always say, people in the West have watches and clocks, and lots of them, even several in their house. But they have, in Africa, we might not have any clocks or very few, but we have time for people. We're people-centered, and that consciousness of being very people-centered is part of sharing the love. You think of the story when Jesus went to Simon's house, and Simon never greeted him, but when the woman came in who greeted him and centered, focused completely on Jesus, how Jesus uh, accepted her, and Simon had actually rejected him by just the fact that he hadn't done all these Uh, things that were part of hospitality to the Lord Jesus. And so loving people and part of loving is through the hospitality. Quite often our friends prefer that we visit them because they feel very comfortable in their own home and we may feel more comfortable in our house, of course, but being able to visit them and can be great fun trying new foods and discovering different things but also when they come to our house, that we make them welcome. And they feel welcome. And maybe that also is a little bit of a problem of what kind of food you will have. 
I don't know if you have the problem of choosing halal food, but in the, London we always tried to have food that's acceptable and food that they will feel comfortable in having. So when they come, be sure you've prepared your story. And I think that's the other thing. I think as you share Bible stories, I want to encourage you to share your story, your testimony. You need to share, if you can, some understanding of what it was like before you became a Christian. Sometimes if we're born in a Christian home, you might find it difficult how to express that. I find I often say that I was born in a home that was very religious or a home that had great respect for God because saying you were born in a Christian home, sometimes in the mind of our friends, they think you were born a Christian. So I usually try to say that my parents were people who knew God, respected God, and wanted their children to know about God and something of that nature to help them to understand I wasn't born to, as a Christian, but I became a Christian at a certain time. And to try to tell a little bit about the change, what you were like before and things that you realized changed within your life. But I think one thing that's very important, because some testimonies, people talk a lot about the past, but maybe it's true that you've been a Christian 20 years or more, or even five years. But what is very important, I think, for people to hear is what difference does it make today? What does it matter what happened before? How is today in your Christian life very special or very important and, and be able to somehow express what it means this morning walking with God? And especially I found that's very true with my postmodern friends. They don't want to know about some of the details, but they want to know if it works. Does it really work? Is it really living? Is it true and active right now? So that they can see the effects of what is happening. And again, I think also it's quite a challenge to write it out and to check our words. Maybe tell it to your other Christian friends and look at it. Are you really expressing what it means to know Christ and how Christ changed? And are you giving a great challenging explanation of how wonderful it is to know Christ today. And so looking at some of these things, uh, I hope they will help you in sharing your faith with your Muslim friends.